had Michael send out an email this week concerning today's sermon. He really wanted all of our members and those who are desiring to become a member here of Urban Hope to really be here. And so I had him send out an email concerning today's sermon. And the reason that I did is because I really sensed the Lord really wanted me to give a, a slight warning. I shouldn't say slight, but it's a warning indeed. And an encouragement as well. And people who study trends and patterns are, are saying that major culture shifts are happening and what some would call traditional values here in America. It's happening within our educational system. It's happening within our family makeup. It's happening within our Christian ethics and beliefs about church here in America. But today's message is about the one we've been in the book of Acts, who spent 40 days in human flesh after he was crucified on a cross. He was crucified by the Romans. He died. People saw him die. He died, but on the third day, in bodily form, very important to understand. A dead man comes back, holes in his hand, in his feet, with the scars to prove that it was him. He was able to eat, walk through walls, go in and out among the people. And the word of God said he did that for 40 days. And in that time, he told his apostles to wait for the promise the Father, which was the coming of the Holy Spirit, which was fulfilled in what we call on the day of Pentecost. We see that in verse 4. And the word of God says, God came into the room and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Meaning God, third person of the Trinity, taking up residence within the human body. I, when I think about that, it just amazes me. And, you know, God inside of me. Let that sink in. God in you. You're not God, but God is in you if you're a Christian. Helping you and I to do what we could not do on our best day. The word of God says, Luke says, that in that moment, on the day of Pentecost, and on that day, Apostle Peter, who was standing with the eleven, he lifted up his voice, and he began to preach. He began to herald, declare the word of God. And verse 37 says that the sermon that Peter was preaching under the power of the Holy Spirit, that it began to cut the people's hearts. 
it cut. It went deep. It went beyond the mind, and it cut the very essence of their being. And the people said, brothers, what shall we do? As they heard the word being preached and proclaimed by Peter, they shouted out, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you. And then in verse 40, which is our part of our text for today, it says that Peter, you can put the text back up, and that Peter, and with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. This Greek word bore witness means to testify, to insist, to declare, to assert and warn. Peter was testifying. He was insisting. He was declaring. He was asserting. And he was warning. He said, save yourselves. Just save yourselves, which means to, to act upon what Peter just said which is to repent and be baptized. Um, last week, I was at Covenant, Sandra and I, one of our church partners, Covenant Presbyterian, and the pastor was talking about the word repentance, and I posted it on Facebook because it was really, we've always heard repentance means to turn around and go this way, but biblically, repentance means to turn from everything else and to turn to God. Turn to God. That's true repentance. Peter says, repent, turn to God. And in this context, put your faith and hope upon the one that Peter is declaring, that this Jesus whom you crucified, that he is your only hope. He is your only answer. It is not in your counselor. It is not in your job. It is not in your mom or your dad. It is only realized and found in Jesus the Christ. That's what Peter is saying. So you repent and turn to Jesus. And then he says, save yourselves from this crooked generation. This Greek word crooked is skolios in Greek. It means to be dishonest. Have you ever met any dishonest people? Immoral people, twisted people, harsh people, unjust people, perverse people, sinful and unrighteous people, such at one time we were. That's what God saved us. Peter says, Save yourselves from this crooked generation, meaning a time and a period for which some would say of 40 years for which people live and do life. And Peter was saying, save yourselves from this generation. It is crooked. It is dishonest. It is immoral. It is sinful. So and so. 
in every generation, brothers and sisters, exists a crooked and perverse and immoral and sinful people. Since the fall of Adam, people have been crooked, twisted, bent, curved towards their own evil desires. There is nothing new under the sun. Since the fall of Adam, there's been a stolios generation. There is no difference now. But the scriptures do foretell of a generation where things will become even more stolios. That's a good word. I like that. Greek. Stolios. Crooked. So you walk around at Miles College, you say, man, you scolios. Say, what are you talking about? Go up to Fairfield High School, man, you scolios. Just kind of a hitting word, just say that about them. It's like, you don't know what that really is. Instead of just saying bad, you're really unrighteous, man, you need to come to church because you got a lot of scolios on you. What the scripture says is, Come in a generation where things will become even more. Proverbs 30, verse 11 says that there is a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. That's a bad generation. Proverbs 30, verse 11. See that in the CSB. That there is a generation that will curse its father and does not bless its mother. Apostle Paul warns us that there is another generation, according to 2 Timothy verse chapter 3, Paul says this, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. A particular generation where things will become harder and harder just to do basic life. And I believe with all of my heart that we have, you know, we're in the last days, but we're really in the last days. As people are looking down the road, we've lost two years of education, and no one knows how to make it up. It's just, it is what it is. Total abdication of anything called a traditional family is happening right now, even as we're sitting here today in this church. So Paul says there's a in these last days, there will come times of difficulty where people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless. I've never witnessed the heartless that I'm seeing today. It is beyond the ability to comprehend. Just heartlessness. Paul says, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. Then Paul says, having an appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Paul says, to avoid such people. 
And I kicked off this book of Acts on January the 9th. In my first sermon, I said that the book of Acts would help us to understand a lot of things. And one of them being the role of church membership. As we see here in our text, the Lord, what I'm calling this sermon today, he is adding to the church as he is today. He added then and he adds now. And here's my first warning, one of the warnings, or a part of the warnings. And Paul says there would be part of these last days, there would be a people that were have this form of religion, Christianity, whatever it is. Spiritual, but not a church member. You hear that a lot. I'm spiritual, but I don't want to be a part of a local church. Spiritual, I know who the man is upstairs, that kind of language. But Paul says they have a form of religiosity. They look like they know where they're talking about, but Paul says they um, deny its power of a changed life. You ever run into people that have been in church and saying they're spiritual, but their lives are never transformed. I mean, they don't look no different than they looked 10 years ago. Still doing the same thing. You just like, man. Either God got amnesia or either he's schizophrenia and this whole cross stuff don't make any sense because there seems to be no power of the resurrection resting on you, my brother. I'm not trying to be offensive or nothing. I just don't see it. <laughs> you still doing what you was doing before Jesus even came around you. Paul says they have a form. A lot of that's happening. I'm going to be real not outing weighty, but I'm landing this, I'm landing this plane here. Landing this plane here. And before we get to that, I want us to sense the hope that the Lord brought us to about church membership and what this thing called what we do here every Sunday morning. And the Lord just keeps reminding me to Alton, you know, you've been in church for a while. But the people that I'm bringing and adding, this is for all the elders, we can't talk over their heads. You may have been in church for 20 years, but they're new and they're coming. So you're going to make sure when you're up here, you be slow to understand what it is that you're trying to convey and not talk religious talk and so no one will understand what you're saying. This is not a plaything. This is serious business. Paul says this warning, the appearance of godliness or Christianity, but they're living contrary to what we are about to read here in, in the next take, in the next rest of my text. And I believe people who are living like that, they are in grave danger. They have this outward display of religion, but their lives are unchanged. Remember Jesus' words to us in Matthew 16. If you don't know it, but Jesus says this as he was making his way to Jerusalem so that he would die for our sins. And he asked Peter and them, who do they say I am? And Peter said this and that. And the rest of Peter got it right. So you are the son of God, the Messiah. 
you're the one that the whole world's been waiting for. And Jesus says, upon that revelation that Peter got it right, and Jesus says, now, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And Jesus says, upon that revelation, Peter, upon the rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so, before I get to the rest of the text, man, I just, you know, as the Lord came to me, and I just, I've been reflected on church, and because God is adding people quickly, and we don't know you as much, and we're getting to know you, and, and we're a young church, and some of you, this is your really first time really experiencing church, and so I'm trying to make sure that you understand what it is that you're even experiencing here today, so that we don't just assume that you know and understand what we know, so we want to take our time to communicate it. But when you think about church, Jesus says, I'm going to build, um, I'm going to build my church. This is the one that died, was crucified and died, rose again, had 40 days with his apostles, teaching them about the kingdom of God. And he says, this church thing is really serious. It's, it's not something to be just haphazard about. It's, it's, it's a really serious thing in the mind of the one who birthed it, who gave his life for it. And so the first slide I want to talk about, and I was reflecting on this and just on a couple of things as it relates to how we even get along. So my first keynote slide. Help him out, Carl. There we go. No, not that one. You should have um, Matthew 18. It's 1 Corinthians. There we go. Nope. There we go. So, one addresses how we interact with each other. Let's say we hurt each other, and we will. Because we're working out our sanctification, our salvation. So we'll say something, look funny, don't, it's just, you know, it's like being in a marriage. I see it every single day in my marriage. I don't try to. Sandra can tell you, I just, you know, man, I thought I had it all together. Still can't figure this thing out. 26 years, I'm still trying to figure it out. Like, I, you know, be talking, my voice will go up a little high. And she's like, you ain't being real sharp. I know, but I can't help it. Maybe because I'm 6'4", 285 pounds. I don't know what it is. You know, you start trying to blame something. You know, maybe because I'm overweight. <laughs> they say, no, you're not overweight. You're just sitting. <laughs> Try to blame it on the weight. Come on, my voice go up. <laughs> but what are you hearing with something else? But anyway, when that happens, and it will, these are just two scriptures that deals with the church. So Jesus is saying, people offend each other, because I'm cutting through verse 17. He said, if he refuses to listen to, the first they try to work it out together. He, they refuse to listen to them. He says, bring it to the church where there's an elder. In church, bring it to the church. And then if he refuses to listen even to the church, when people have their differences with each other, 
and they won't listen to the elders, they won't work it out, they won't reconcile. Look what Jesus says. Let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. In other words, treat them as they are unbelievers. That's heavy. What Jesus is trying to say, there is something very unique about the church. And having unreconciled relationships is not one that he wants to be happening a lot. We see that even when it comes to the Lord's table. Here's another one. All the elders stand up. Even the elder at Urban Hope stand up. I want everyone to recognize. These are our elders. Elder Foster, Watts, Granger, Bowen. Sattler, it's important to understand. Here Paul is talking to the Corinthian church about people who are really just, they're in church, but they're living like that, what Paul says, form of Christianity, but denying his power. And as so Paul says, for what I have to do with judging outsiders, we don't judge outsiders. We try to preach to them that they get saved and come into the ark of safety, which is the local church. Come and be a part of a local church. It is not those inside the church whom you are to judge. We hold each other accountable. So part of Urban Hope is the elders. If I hear of a brother who says he's a brother here at Urban Hope, and I hear of his lifestyle, he's made a membership, what, we, what that means is we have the responsibility before God Almighty, listen, elders, you and I will stand on judgment day. Stand up again. Please, elders, stand up. You and I will stand up on the day of judgment and give an account of this. This is why we should not want to just be an elder because you get famous or anything like that. This is serious spiritual kingdom business. Because if you know brothers and sisters who are living what Paul says, it is our responsibility to go to them in love. Say, hey, what's the deal? He says to judge those inside the church whom you are to judge. But God judges those outside. Let me tell y'all something. I don't care what the rappers tell you. Listen to the young folks. Pooh Shiesty? King Von, Quando Rondo, NBA Young Boy, and all the rest of them. If they don't repent and be baptized, they are going to come before the Holy One, and they're going to give an account for every word they've spoken out of their mouth. All those murder songs, they're in account, and that would not be a laughing matter. I want to encourage y'all. I am a YouTube guru. There was a young man that his name is Joshua. I sent y'all the video. He had seizures. He died twice. He's just a regular hood dude, smoking weed like most young people do in the hood, living his life. Go on YouTube and watch his video. It has millions of views. And he talks about his near-death experience when his spirit left his body and where he went. And you can hear it in his voice. Now, he's living differently now, 
And so you Miles College students have a Bible study at your house and show them the video before they have the, have the frat parties and they're going to do all that wild stuff. Show that video and see if it's a laughing matter. If you just say, well, no, the word of God is enough, but if you need a little more extra help, just go watch that video. I will promise you, you said, I was trying to show it to Sandra last night. You said, you going to preach about that? I said, yeah, the Lord put them on. I'm just, young man, he's just like, man, he was like, he, he's overwhelmed. Like, he said, man, I, my life is messed up. I can't, I can't undo what I saw. True story. Paul says, those who are living contrary, they will, we need to hold them accountable. All right, back to the text, guys. Back to the Acts chapter 40, 41. I got to keep moving here. So Paul says, understanding the church. How do you get in it? Great question. How do you get in the church? You just, you just walk in here and you just raise your hand, I'm in? No. Paul says, I mean, Peter was preaching the word of God on the day of Pentecost. It says, and so those, that's got to read the scriptures carefully, who received. Not everyone there on that day received it. Those who received his word were baptized and three, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So the first step is to receive the word of God, meaning you believe it. You put your confidence on it. You hold to it. If you don't believe it, then you're not in the church according to what Jesus said. They received his word. That day, they received the word, and the next thing, they repented, turned to God, and they were baptized. In the church, the Lord Jesus Christ has given to us what we believe is two sacraments. Uh, baptism, we did it a couple weeks ago, in the Lord's Supper. A sacrament is a holy ordinance that has been instituted by Christ. Jesus himself, the one who sits above, who's watching me now as I preach, who will hold me even to a higher account because I have the responsibility of disseminating this word accurately to the best of my ability according to how he wants it to be communicated. Man, sometimes that shakes me. Because I'm going to give a greater account. That's why I don't mess around with this. Neil and Noah talk about this. Anyone who desires to want to preach obviously don't understand the weightiness of what you're going to have to give on the day of judgment. So you do not desire not to be teachers. For you will give a stricter account. It doesn't mean I get to go play golf, always on vacation all the time. Jesus is watching what I do with all of my time. You Netflixing a lot, Brother Hardy. <laughs> I want to be Netflixing. I want to be in the Word. 
You keep next one. Back to the sacraments. He's given us two. They received the word, they repented, and they were baptized. We keep going. Now, the rest of the text says here in verse 42 to 47, I'm going to walk through it. So they received the word. They believed the word of God. They repented, and they were baptized. So what do you do now? I'm glad you asked. Great question. So I said, Michael, send out an email and let the people know this is a very important church doctrine. They received the word, they repented, and they were baptized. I said, what do we do now, Peter? Okay, great question, guys. And they, who, the people who received the word and repented and were baptized, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's the first thing we see. They were hunger for the word of God. A thirst for it. Because the generation that we're in is crooked and perverse. It will not stop. They will not stop gender bending. They're going to keep on and keep on. You're not going to get any encouragement from the world. And so as God is calling us out of the world, out of Egypt, the people says, we need to be always under great and good and biblical sound teaching. Second thing they did, they devoted themselves, meaning that's something you have to make your mind up on. You can't be just back and forth. You, sir, I see you got me down for Sunday uh, morning work. Can't do it. What do you mean you can't do it? Can't do it, sir. I see you got me down for Wednesday night work. Can't do it. Why you can't do it? I will be in the house of the Lord. I'm going to be with my brothers and sisters in fellowship. They had jobs. Hey, you going to be at Bible study? No, I'm at the apostles' teaching. I make room for it because I realize that I'm not chasing after the wind. They had jobs and they had children. They devoted themselves, made room for it. Fellowship, breaking the bread, and prayer. Got to make room for fellowship. You need a fellowship. Here's what you hear people say. Well, I'm fellowshipping with God. Fellowshipping with God always translates to fellowshipping with God's people. Anyone who says they're fellowshipping with God and they're not fellowshipping with God's people, that's that Paul says, that form of godliness for denying the power. You say you got God? Show me where the people are in the local church with the pastors and the elders. That's the first second question I'm going to ask. Bobby knows my heart. Yeah, he knows your heart. Where are your church at? Where are your elders at? Where are your people at that can hold you accountable? Well, I ain't really got nothing. God understands. He understands me. No, brother. Fellowshipping, 
prayers, eating together. That's why we eat a lot around here. And we're going to keep eating. Jake back there is our, is our, is our meal guy, so we're going to be eating a lot. Back 40 burgers we had the other week. Some of y'all missed out. We know why we didn't watch the Super Bowl, but we were paying those burgers up. I'm some of the best burgers in this side of town, in this side of history. Back 40 burgers. Breaking the bread and prayer. Praying together. Next slide, next verse. And then it says, all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And they had all who believed, received the word, see, they believed, were together, and they had all things in common. Fellowshipping and all things in common is this Greek word we call koinonia, which is, it's just, there's something unique about the church. The koinonia, this, this, this spiritual new family. And they had all things in common. People who were now unsaved, now saved, and now all of a sudden, their unity and their oneness, and they have all things in common. Here's what happens in the local church. When all of that is happening, and the Spirit of God is at work, look at what happens. And they were selling. Who made them sell? It was not communism nor socialism. Socialism meaning take someone else's money by coercion, and give it to someone else. No, this is a free will. These people are being transformed. They're not thinking about themselves. They're now kunainia, sharing and giving. Brother, you need a car? Got one extra for you. You need this, you need that. It's not just people taking. It's an intermutual reaction of the church. They were selling their possessions. Who told them to sell? And belonging. And they were distributing the proceeds to all as any who had need. That's powerful. As any who had need. We keep going. And then the verse down says, Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread, fellowship, koinonia. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, and praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord, not us, added to their number. Some translations say added to the church. Day by day. Those who were being what we see, those who received the word by faith were being added to the church. And to this fellowship, this sharing, I said it before, this is what they call in the word fellowship there, the koinonia, having all things in common. There's, there's no selfishness. This is a church. This is nothing like the world that Peter says, save yourselves from this crooked generation, which is selfish, unjust, dishonest, immoral. But this is a new community. Fellowship. God is creating a new family, a new community where people flourish. People become what they were made to be. It's what we call it the promised land. The church is the bride of, the, of Christ. 
the eternal bride of Christ. And so therefore, being a part of a local church and being together and always making time, devoting yourselves to be here on the Lord's day, to make it your aim as best you can to make it out for Wednesday. And when we get to Bible studies, even Sunday school on Sunday morning, so we can have more um, concentrated um, conversations about the word of God that we can't get to in a preaching moment. That's called devotion to the teaching from the word of God. So, and, and Paul picks up on this in Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. I'm going to read it to you. He says, but, but speaking the truth in love. So you're, speaking the truth, meaning you, you have to speak truth to each other. That's what Christians do with each other. We are to grow up in all aspects into him, who's Jesus, who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part. If you're a member of Urban Hope, you have a particular part and role that you play. Causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love, Paul says in Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. Now the encouragement, and this is where we're going to leave it to Pam. This is the encouragement. You put those slides up, uh, Brother Cordell back there. Um, the, now the 1 Corinthians 17, 11, 17. Um, now we're going to get into, this is an encouragement. Um, man, the Lord, when he spoke this to me two weeks ago, and I tell Mike sent an email out, the Lord said, I want you to do something different. And this is serious business. This is for the people of God. Those who receive the word, believe the word, and you are brought into the kingdom of God, a new birth, Born again, as we call it. God knows we struggle. Struggle with sin. We, we get born again doesn't mean we stop sin. That's why I say, Sandra and I have been married 26 years, but every now and then, Brother Craig, I just, I just pretend like I'm not saved sometimes. I'm just like, man, you guys have to get a hold of me, and I have to go back and do the whole repentance, pastor forgiveness, all over again. And, and this is why we come to the table. But I got here in my note, um, Verse 17, Paul says, now in giving this instruction, I do not praise you since you come together for the better, but for the worse. So Paul is talking to the people of God, the local assembly, the church. For to begin with, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. Notice Paul says, look, God is serious about his people being one. There's divisions among you. You're coming to the table Paul says, you must understand how serious this is. This is not to be just something you just walk into. He said, I hear that there are divisions among In other words, people are not liking people. That's why I told you Matthew 17, verse 18, about working it out. He said, I hear that there are divisions among you. And in part, Paul says, I believe it. Next slide. Indeed, it is necessary, Paul says, that there be factions among you so that those who are, who are approved may be recognized among you. When you come together, then it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Next slide. For at the meal, 
Each one eats his own supper. There's no harmony. There's no unity. So one person is hungry while another person gets drunk. Don't you have homes in which to eat and drink? Paul said, if you want to act like that, do that at the house. Do not bring that behavior to the church. Because Jesus is going to hold you accountable. He said, don't you have homes in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church? Here again, do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What should I say to you? I praise you. I do not praise you in this matter. Next slide. Paul says, now, I don't praise you. Paul brings it to the world. Paul says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. He took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus' body was broken for you. The word of God says, in the same way Paul says, he also took the cup and at the supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So this cup is this new covenant he writes on our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit and what Christ has done for us. Verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Next slide. And I want to the Lord's Supper seriously. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. Let me go to my notes here. This not discerning the Lord's body is, is when people come not really understanding in my notes what Christ has done, sacrificed for our sins. In other words, you're not taking it seriously. Let's say you're here today and you're whoring around. Excuse me for that word. You just, you're a Christian. You profess to be a Christian. And I believe you are. But God is saying today to you, if you're entering in that world, God says, please, Examine yourself and understand, I died for you. Do not take that lightly. What that means is, before you come today, examine and say, Lord, I want to live for you. I'm engaging in premarital sex or whatever. Help me, Holy Spirit, to fear you, to follow you, and not grieve you. And so if that means I need to get married so that I don't keep sinning in that way or whatever it is. Ask God to help you so that you obey him. 
It doesn't mean that you just say, God knows my heart. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and come here anyway. It means to really examine yourself and to say, Lord, I don't want to be doing this in an unworthy manner. In other words, you're not taking it seriously. That's what that means. It doesn't mean that we fall and stumble and fall down and we know we want to get back up. That's for you. Come to the table. But what it does mean, don't do it as a sleight of hand. Feel the weightiness of it. He died. Not to save people so they go back to keep sinning where there is no transformation. That's why Paul, those people are denying the very power of God. God said, I don't want you performing. I want you living. That's what he said. He said, let a person examine himself in this way and let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. He cheers. Paul said, take his tears. Doesn't mean that you're not struggling. What it means is, God said, come to me, ask me to help you. Don't play around with it. Receive the word. Do you believe the word? Next verse. Done. The elders is ready to come up. This is why many are sick, and among you many have fallen asleep. Meaning, people are playing around, and that's why they're dying. If we were properly judging ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined. He says, good, good, Father, this is who you are. Person in the Holy Ghost. God knows how to take a help and turn it into a judgment. Sometimes when you don't get this job, God, why I can't get this job? Why I can't get this job? Papa, why I can't do this? Papa, he's a papa. Some of y'all got, y'all have a lot of children. When Anna runs around, trying to run across the street, Claire say, Papa, <laughs> don't run across the street. What do you think God does? God says, don't go to the strip club. Papa. <laughs> don't do that track. They're going to make you sin more. Papa. <laughs> That's God trying to discipline you. And God didn't give me flat tires. I was going somewhere to do something wrong. God said, uh-oh, flat tire. <laughs> By the time I got there, the party was over. <laughs> but when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined. Listen to what he says. So that we will not be condemned with the world. God is not judged. Paul says in Acts chapter 2, he does not judge. Let's pray. Father, we pray and thank you for this meal. That we're about to take here today. And Father, we thank you for the bread, which is the body, and uh, these elements to remind us what your son has done on our behalf. Lord, I know this is heavy, strong words for us as a young church.
what you wanted me to speak it in this way so that we would get the foundation right. I know that people have been a part of churches over this table has just been a form of some religiosity. It hasn't had any weight to it. People are playing the role of church in our country and all around here in Birmingham and Fairfield. Lord, you know the truth of the matter there. Many of them are going to find themselves totally surprised. You wanted me to take the surprise out the atmosphere. You want us to be assured and affirm that we are yours. So, Father, I pray right now, anyone in the room, Lord, who says, Lord, I'm just messing up. It's not wrong in messing up and in messing up. It's the fact that when your heart has become callous to it, and you're not realizing the seriousness of God is wanting that we bear fruit, a life that's a life that looks like a life that you wanted us to have. So, Father, I pray that for your children here today who believe and receive the word of God, they will come to this table today and be encouraged to know that you love them with a perfect righteousness and a perfect holiness and that you will not cast them away. I pray for those who have not come to believe yet, but struggle to believe whether you are the, the Christ, the Messiah. Lord, I pray to the best of my ability that they will not come and partake of this table, therefore bringing judgment on themselves. I pray, Lord, that in due time you would bring them to the understanding that you are truly the Messiah, the Son of God, and that they too will be able to come and participate in this table and receive the encouragement and the joy for their souls. We thank you for this night.
bring to our remembrance. See, he's not a real This cup is a cup of the covenant in his blood. Jesus shed real blood. Throughout the Old Testament, innocent lambs and goats were slaughtered by the thousands. A point to the reality something had to come between a rescue and healing. Jesus is perfect. We sing it perfect in all his ways. No sin, no guile of sin. But he loves us so much. He would go to the cross so that you today can come and be a part of this new kingdom and family of God called the Lord Jesus. So as you drink today, knowing that you are a child of God, that your sins are thrown into the sea of forgiveness, and he keeps washing you over and over. Be strengthened, be encouraged, and knowing that you are forgiven because of his great love and his blood that was shed for the remission of We love you so much. We love you so much. Thank you. Words can't always articulate how much we love you. Even in our failures. We thank you that you remind us over and over again of your great love. Thank you. Please stand to your feet as Pastor Chad comes.